Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show. Hello, more subdued. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Steph's impressed. Chase, I didn't know you had that speed. What's up, everybody? This is the Fizzle Show, where every week we talk about things that are important and interesting to indie business owners, entrepreneurs, people who are building their, what, I don't know, future, dream, business? What do you call it? (laughs) What do you call it, right? Because it's not just our business, it's our... Like the reason why we're so excited about our businesses is because they enable the freedom of our life, right? We can we can live a life the way we want to live it. And that might mean you like being in, you know, Costa Rica surfing every day or that might mean you love being in Manhattan, uh, you know, hobnobbing with the lords and ladies or for me it might mean you might like to be in a place like Portland where it's mellow and chill and great food all around. You can afford taking your family out to some of these crazy, weird, like, bon me places. You bon me? It's delicious. It's unbelievable. You know, this is the kind of thing that my business enables for me. And I get to, I get to try to, like, work as little as possible. I think that's still the goal. I think that's really the goal that we're talking about, is to work as little as possible eventually. <laughs> and for, for a lot of us, when we're doing our own business, it actually means we have to work more than normal, right? There's a lot that you have to do. There's a lot you have to understand, and it takes some time to get the knowledge and the experience that gets you clicking with that traction in the world, using the tools of the internet to get your business growing. That's what we're about here. All right, we've got a Fizzle Show podcast every single week, and then we have a huge training library full of courses and a community. That's all at fizzle.co. Why? Because most business ideas fizzle. Out. Most indie entrepreneurs eventually fizzle out at some point because there's just you hit a roadblock. You hit something and you're like, well, I'll never be able to do this, right? That's when it's nice to go to the forums and just go like, I'll never be able to do this. And then someone goes like, well, hold on. What are you really trying to do? Well, I'm trying to get this thing, my Flickr widget on my website. <laughs> Nobody's going to remember that. That used to be like the biggest deal. You'd go to someone's blog and like, like you'd have, you'd have like your Flickr stream on there. Corbett, do you even remember that? Oh yeah. <laughs> totally. Totally. Now you just now like add Instagram. your stream. Now you just like add your Instagram to like Squarespace and it automatically like populates. You didn't even tell it where to go. It just went to the perfect spot. You're like, how does this do this? <laughs> right. Um, that's one of the things about about Fizzle guys. Corbett is is one of the the old school bloggers, so we've got some pedigree here. I was one of the old school blog designers and did some blogging and stuff like that. And then we got the new school Steph in the house, <laughs> crushing the fempreneurship, right? Mm-hmm. Which I just think is a whole new market. It's just like a real, actual. It's its own ecosystem. Mm-hmm. It really like it feels like the conversations have their own like yeah, their it feels own like unique the take. Taken over. It does. It does. So yep. It's it's happening. The but future I gotta is shout female. Out, it is, but I got to shout out my man fans too because I have a lot of those. I you see do. You guys, that's true. And that's I true. Right. My man, right. My man, my man fans. Mm-hmm. Right. Like exactly. Better than exactly. Man hands. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> this is I, true. I, I don't think having man hands is all that bad, man. <laughs> depends you. on your situation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> depends on your situation is right. Okay. So uh, here is the deal. Today we've got a conversation that is. I think really juicy mm-hmm. and really like um, it's really like you, it's like it's it's you know where a joint on your body a joint is like where all of these muscles and bones and sinew and fascia 
and veins and stuff like that come together. And it's this messy, like just intersection, right? But if, and if you don't understand it, you move it improperly, you can injure yourself. Like with so many of us have like so much shoulder stuff. My brother works selling medical devices. He's like, dude, if I can give you one piece of advice, just stretch your shoulders out. The bodies I see every day, it's just shoulder rotator stuff because these people aren't opening their shoulder and stretching out their pectorals and pulling, you know, your, your, your arm basically behind your body, but doing it stretchy wise, right? What we're going to do today is we're going to stretch that shoulder. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. We're going to let it breathe. We're going to air it out. Cause you know what? There's a lot of funky stuff going on in there that we got to, we got to open it up. And it relates to the concept of competition, um, of freedom to do what you feel like doing. It relates to the idea of inspiration. If someone does something or teaches you something that's inspiring to you and you want to move on and create with that thing, it can get a little messy when we're talking about like, well, actually, that was my material and now you're using it just like as is like this is not cool. Or it's like, well, you're really taking this in your own direction and doing your own voice on this thing, right? This is the this is the conversation we're getting into today. All right. Now you're going to walk away with this from this knowing how to uh, understand the things that you are trying to do way more clearly than uh, especially if there's like a, if there's a competition element out there, if you're not the only person doing this thing. This is like one of those areas that I really want to see people have more freedom about. Really want to see people have more energy about, and this conversation is going to help you do that, and that is going to affect your life, which is why I'm bringing it up right now. Now, bringing to the table Corbett Barr. Corbett, what started this whole conversation was was uh, actually a question in the Fizzle forums. Do you want to like give us a little lowdown on on where this came from? Yeah, and I'll uh, I'll protect the names of the innocent in this one just because this is kind of a personal topic. But if you're a, a Fizzle member, you can follow along at home in the forums. There's a topic in there called Community Over Competition that was posted recently. And um, this is this is a great one because I think it affects all of us in some form or another at one time uh, throughout our entrepreneurial careers. And uh, sometimes we end up on both sides of the fence on this one. Sometimes... We start out in one direction, and then uh, later, as we gain some experience, we end up being uh, on the flip side. So I'm just going to read parts of this, and uh, and then we'll get into it. So this person in the forum said that, uh, I'm in a small niche. I learned my topic online through university, and now I want to teach it online too. My teacher, who has now gone independent from the university, found out I want to teach online too, and has confronted me about why I'm going into competition with him. I don't see it that way. I see it as me just teaching what I learned and what I love. I'm not doing anything to him. I'm doing it for myself and my audience. I've built a small audience who are requesting me to teach them online, and it's what I want to do. So what would you all say to this person? I want to be kind of assertive. It has totally caught me off guard. I've witnessed a lot of healthy businesses supporting each other in the online space, even though they could be considered competition. I totally admire Fizzle supporting Steph Crowder doing her own thing. That's how I thought this would go. 
It never occurred to me that he would take issue with this. I subscribe to the philosophy that competition is beneficial to the entire community and everyone can support each other to create a really engaged community who wants to learn what we are teaching. There can be more than one. So what would you guys say to this person in this situation? And and have you been in this situation before? I know that we did an episode a while back where Steph was venting a little bit um, <laughs> about feeling like some of your stuff had been borrowed, not just that mm. you were being competed with uh, or that, you know, someone you knew was in competition with you, but that it went a little step further than that. So we can cover mm-hmm. that as well as both sides of this coin, I think, today. Well, I really empathize with the person who wrote this uh, post because I think for me, I can say for myself, um, and I think probably I'm speaking for a lot of people here, as you grow and as you learn new things and you become passionate about them and you want to teach them, in a way, this is like kind of everyone's worst nightmare, right? It's like to think that you might run into that resistance of someone that you learned a lot from, who you admire, who you're on good terms with. I don't know. For me, like having people be mad at me is a pretty serious motivator in like a negative direction. I don't like how that feels. Um, Certainly not when I feel like I've gotten a lot from someone. So it kind of gives me a little bit of a pit in my stomach because I think we're always worried about stepping on people's toes, particularly people that we care about. And so to feel like you're coming face to face with that reality and now you've kind of ticked somebody off, it, it can be the the very thing that a lot of people fear. I know I've had a lot of conversations with aspiring entrepreneurs who are worried about this kind of thing happening. Um, even I've even talked to people who are in university settings where they want to find a way to be able to teach their craft outside of the university. University, but is the university going to get mad at them? So this is a very real concern that I think people have as as they try to grow. You do risk like pissing people off, and so it can be it can be scary when you come face to face with that. I think. Yeah, yeah. Chase, have you ever um, felt like someone was was um, borrowing from you, or have you ever been accused of competing with someone? Well, if I've never been accused of it, I probably should have been <laughs> at some point. <laughs> I love that answer. <laughs> and I and I and if I've and if I've ever accused someone of it, I don't remember. Right? Like uh yeah. I've definitely felt like you know, in Fizzle, we did things a lot differently. I mean, you know, this world of like internet entrepreneurship is is like it's it's not it's not massive. I mean, it's big. It's it, it is it is massive, but it's like it's mostly just like you, you go to the conferences and you're sitting at the cool kids table. It's like <laughs> there's only a handful of people who actually have like full on thriving, like like the, the kind of businesses that everybody looks at sort of thing. And then you hang out with these people. They're just like regular people. They're just mm-hmm. like everyday regular folks um, <clears throat> in, in some ways. And I feel like we did, <clears throat> excuse me, I feel like we did something pretty different in our marketing and in our, in our, um, in our design and all of the sort of creative direction with Fizzle and really trying to capture the the spirit of entrepreneurship and of what it's like to do your own thing and then i started i felt like i definitely started to see more of that language in other people's stuff and that like maybe uh we we were a part of like getting things moving in that direction but i just the only reason why i caught wind of of putting words and music and and images together that made us feel that kind of thing was because it was like that was just where I was from. That was just the milieu. That was like, yeah, that was, it just felt like it was in the water already. Right. Yeah. It's funny, right? It's like, um, 
if you feel like someone's borrowing from you, well, where the hell did you get it from to begin with? Right. We all, we all piece things <clears throat> together from right. the various influences that we have. And, um, you know, it's the worst thing in the world to, to, uh, feel like your stuff is being, that your toes are being stepped on. Right. Mm-hmm. But at the same right. time, it's likely that, um, that you're doing that, whether you're aware of it or not to someone else. That's sort of the the creative. This is to me the big crux of this conversation. This is the the spirit of real create creativity to me, right? And the homework assignment for everybody here is like a I think it's four short little films called Everything Is a Remix, right? Mm-hmm. This amazing like this. I got to meet this guy. I totally fanboyed out over this guy. He lives here in Portland, um, and he just made these great videos. Like a video essay, basically, on how everything is a remix. Everything is a remix. And, and um, he talks about songs from bands that like are classic, like that you've heard a million times. And he says, like, look, listen to this, listen to this. These are two albums that these the people who wrote that classic song of yours were listening to. And it's effectively exactly ripped off, right? Whether they did it per- on purpose or whether it just happened subconsciously, it doesn't matter, yeah. right? The same thing with Star Wars or any other movie that uses these typical kinds of patterns. Like you can see shot for shot way, the way that uh, George Lucas was, was just copying one of his favorite filmmakers, uh, Kurosawa, right? And it shows them right next to each other. And you're like, oh my God, actually, that's like, that like really is the, like, they clearly chose to do things for this reason. And it's the sense of like, okay. And yet Star Wars was a completely unique and important and financially viable and successful thing, right? Yeah. This is how this is how the creative arts have always known about this stuff because you know, like imagine with dancing, there's only so many movements you can do before you start. You know, you're you're copying other classic moves and jazz. They call it the the real fake book. It's like all the jazz standards are in that thing, and this is all of the licks, all of the chord progressions, all of the things that everybody uses. But then you get them. You know, um, a Miles Davis or a or John Coltrane or a Wes Montgomery or a Thelonious Monk. I could keep going. Turns out I'm pretty deep on jazz, you guys. I didn't really know that, but compared to a lot of people, I actually really love jazz and paid a lot of attention to it because it is the place more than any other source of creative media. It is the place where I find the most interesting intersection of inspiration, uh, like sort of like creative chops, like a practice sort of creativity and chops and like spontaneity in the moment flowing. And then to do that with like a, another inner place thing that's intersecting where it's like, you're doing it as a group, right? It's fascinating. Anyway. Well, and I think jazz is like that. What this brings up for me is that there are areas like jazz or hip hop where it's expected that you borrow from someone and then you build on top of it right you're not Mm -hmm. just copy you're not just in jazz playing the exact same thing you take a lick from a song and then yeah and then you improvise on top of it and you try to come up with something new same same in hip-hop and and so there are these areas of creativity where that's expected that's how things go and yeah and there are people in creativity people who just spend their days thinking about creativity who agree with that. Like you said, everything is a remix or Maria Popova, who says that creativity is combinatorial, right? It's all about combining things into something new or, um, Austin Cleon, who says 
steal like an artist, right? They're all yeah. talking about <clears throat> yep. how things are borrowed. I think what's interesting is that a lot of us might take some of that for granted, but then there are people who grew up in, in a different school and, and they feel that if they're doing something, it's wrong for someone else to try to do that thing too, or to enter okay, yeah. into their sphere. Right. Yeah. And yeah, and, so this is, keep going. And, and I don't know if that has something to do with like being in the university system or if it's a, an innate human thing, but this comes up over and over again. Right. We, we kind yeah. of, we kind of get this vibe from people and I've known entrepreneurs who mm-hmm. have felt like they were, um, you know, that somebody was stepping on their toes, kind of encroaching in their home turf a little too much. And they got really pissed about it and basically had a vendetta out for this person, this, these, right. this other person who is, who is quote unquote copying them or, or, or taking from them. And so, you know, it's something that comes up. And I think that we all have to kind of confront our feelings about, right. And understand like, where do we stand on this issue? I think yeah. what comes up for me is it's really the difference between, I feel like there's two types of people. There's people out there who see, that there is a finite amount of success to be had in particular industries. Maybe even we could go as far as to say the world. I mean, you certainly see this playing out in various uh, world leadership, the difference between believing that there's only so much wealth to go around. There's only so much, uh, whatever you want to call it, land or resources. You can kind of see that a mile away in the online business space as well. You can kind of feel when someone has that guard up where they feel like, no, this is my turf. I own the rights to this. You stay over there because there's only so much of the pie to go around. And then you have people on the other side, which of which I'm probably about as far as you can go, I think, where I look at so many different people in different industries and I I truly see that no two people are exactly the same. Um, before we started recording, I was thinking about some authors who I love, like Brene Brown and Elizabeth Gilbert, Glennon Doyle, Rob Bell. All of these people are speaking about the same exact things. They're talking about they're talking about spirituality, they're talking about love, they're talking about creativity and writing, and they're they all are so, so different if you get to know them. Um, but I can only imagine what would happen if people, like it almost is scary to think about what would happen if people didn't even dare to to try to step into that, into their own space for fear of, it kind of shares a border with other conversations we've had here on the show, such as, has it all been done before? I mean, you're kind of like, can you imagine if there was only one Italian place in your entire city because there's already one Italian place? Like there's like 15. I live in a small city and I can't even count how many there are. Um, and that's because everybody kind of has their own unique flavor and, and unique take on it. So personally, I have found, and I'm sure it has a lot to do with you guys. I remember that ha- made a big impression on me when I came into the fizzle business. You guys were always doing partnerships with people that were teaching similar things. That that was a big part of how Fizzle was built. And I remember really admiring that because you could have looked at it and said, no, 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 we're not gonna, we're not gonna rub elbows with those people because you know, there's only so much to go around. My experience has only been that there's so much more to be gained from believing that there truly is enough for everyone. I mean, I just feel like yeah. amazing things happen when that's your mentality. Otherwise, you just spend, a, especially as you get more and more successful, you could make it your full-time job trying to find all the people that are quote-unquote copying you. And that is exhausting and negative, and I just don't think a good way to, to go through your daily life. Yeah, okay. So let's, let's, let's pull this back down into, <clears throat> I like this, it, this direction, into actual entrepreneurship, right? So we've talked about, you know, Star Wars and Thelonious Monk and jazz, right? But most of us don't feel like we're a filmmaker or a painter 
or a jazz musician or something like that. Most of us feel like we're teachers, frankly, right? Or, or in some capacity, I can probably convince you, well, your role that you're actually providing is is some sort of a teacher or some sort of a service, like it's like consultant, actually doing the work for people kind of thing. Um, but let's stick with someone who feels like in that sort of teacher mindset, right? Because that's where this question from the from the forums comes from. It's like, I'm teaching this thing. It's the same thing that this other person is teaching. And my feeling is, isn't there plenty of room for more than just one of these? And, um, and, and we, we've talked already about like this idea of like, okay, first of all, everything is a remix. Everything is put, pulling together. Um, it, everything's borrowed, right? Real artist. What was that? What was the name of the Austin Cleon book, Corbett? Steal like an artist. Steal like an artist. This concept of borrowing, it's like, right, if someone gets mad at you for doing something the way that they were doing it, well, you could probably go like, wait a minute, why are you doing it your way? You're borrowing from somebody else. You're Mm -hmm. borrowing from other influences. And to me, I love that. That's what I call culture. Culture is like the history of who's borrowing what from who, Mm -hmm. right? And I just think it's fascinating. And to know about it is really enriching to my life um, because I want to be a a skilled borrower, right? Because there's a way of borrowing things that doesn't, feel uh, uh that doesn't feel like because here's the thing right i know of some entrepreneurs who built this thing that was a little bit successful and um they were just hardcore entrepreneurs they wanted to put a sales page together that would work to sell a product that they were pretty confident would would be effective for people and so what they did is they copied a sales page from someone else mm-hmm. like basically word for word right Yep. And it was someone else in, in the same marketplace and in this, with the same similar kind of product. But it, the differences were, you know, were important. You know, there were some differences there. And so they, they stole, they took the cop, they stole, you hear me, they borrowed this, this copywriting and put it on their page. And we made minimal changes because they knew that if this was on this guy's, um, website that he had tested the crap out of it. And that it was the most effective thing for selling that product, right? So this is a kind of borrowing that is like, all right, that's borrowing. I mean, it's kind of, it's almost like it, it might be illegal. Like you might be able to get taken to court for that, but like it's certainly lame. It's certainly like you're ostracized. You're cutting yourself off from the entrepreneurial group. That's fine. You're allowed to do that. Definitely the the entrepreneur who got his you know copywriting stolen from him reached out and sent an email to those guys just like, Hey, this is really lame that you did this. This is dumb. And it really is disrespectful um, because everybody was at a certain level of respect. So this to me is a, it show, it's like, there's this thing that can happen where, where I don't really care about my community. I just want the results, mm. right? That can, that can be a way of, of interacting and doing business that, is like a very popular way of doing business out there and can just lead to just shady business practices. You mean, right? you mean I, I don't care about the, I don't care about the growth of the community as a whole and the, and the outcomes I care about my own results. You mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd say, I'd say certainly that, or, or may, basically it's not even like realizing that it was an option to think of yourself as a part of the entrepreneurial community or a, this group of people who are all right. trying to figure out how to, it was just like, oh, that, right. listen, dude, it's a ride or die. Like everybody's out here doing their thing, trying to find their own way. And I respect this way of thinking. I really do because it is, it's like, yeah, I, like, especially now it's like, I'm not going to the conferences anymore to talk with other entrepreneurs about like what we're learning about entrepreneurship. I'm like, no, I've got the message. Like it's time to hang up the phone. Like I got the, that's like Alan Watts on LSD. He's like, 
listen, you pick it up, you get the message, and then you hang up the phone. <laughs> you know, you get the message. The message is like, you can make stuff. You have to make things that people want. You have to do things that are aligned with your area of genius, right? You have to like, this is the message. And then it's like, you know, do what you want in life. Stay well, married. And, Go traveling. And, and just to get back to the the original like question or predicament, in, in this case, we're not even... She hasn't said that, like, I, I, you know, borrowed materials from this, mm-hmm. this person or whatever. Right, right, right. She's purely saying, like, I want to teach in the same subject, and this person is on me for that. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. So, there, there are different extremes, but just this idea that if, and, and, and I think there's something, there's, there's another layer here, which is, Sometimes when you're in sort of a mentor relationship, you sometimes when you mentor someone, I think there's this other human thing which feels like you, for some reason, some people feel that they have ownership over this person mm-hmm. or that yeah. they owe them something because they were mentored in that way. And yeah. that may be coming into play here. Maybe this person, this teacher felt like, Okay, you know, I've got my, I've got this, this student who, like, you know, is, is doing great things and, and I think she's going to go on and, and do some amazing stuff. And, and now she's going to support me, right? She's going to come into the fold and, and support what I'm trying to do for yeah. whatever. But, um, you know, through, she, she left some other comments down here and it sounds like, it's not as if he's offered her a job or anything else. She has to support herself. And this is a subject that she loves. So the natural thing is to go out there and try to drum up your own business. Right. So, you know, another way to look at this, I think, is um, from the perspective of of the teacher, the, the professor or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people feel offended. Uh, maybe they felt ownership. Maybe they feel like this person's competing with me and that's like a, a shot across my bow. Mm-hmm. Um, but it... Another way to look at this, and I, I just happened right before we started recording and, I, and before we knew we were going to do this topic, in uh, my timeline here on Twitter, there was a, a quote that Derek Halpern posted. He said, this is one of my favorite quotes. He said, they copied all they could follow, but they couldn't copy my mind. So I left mm-hmm. them sweating and stealing a year and a half behind. Mm-hmm. That was by Rudyard Kipling. I'm not sure who mm-hmm. that is, but that's an interesting idea as well, right? If you are... If you're offended by someone competing with you, what does that say about how insecure you might be mm-hmm. about what you know, right? You're yeah. so worried that somebody's going to compete with you that they're going to be right up at your level. And yet if if this is someone that you were mentoring and teaching and um they've just they haven't been with you that long, they've probably got a long hard road ahead of them and they're going to be, you know, at least months if not years behind where you're at. So mm-hmm. You know, this, this imitation is the sincerest form of flattery thing I think is, is, is true. You, you should look at this as, um, this person isn't competing. They're, they're proving that I have something important to say to the world and they've been inspired by that and they want to share that message too. And, you know, like Steph said earlier, either you're looking at the world as a, a finite resource situation or maybe a rising tide lifts all boats. And uh, mm-hmm. by having your mentors out, your mentees out there teaching, uh, you know, inevitably they're going to be singing your praises and crediting you for this. And and maybe that's going to grow your share of the pie as well. Well, and that's, that's, that's the hard thing to, to believe sometimes, you know, right. is that the rising tide will actually float all boats. Mm-hmm. And I find that having that graciousness, um, that generosity of spirit is challenging sometimes. And I can't really do it unless 
unless the reason why I'm doing the whole thing is some some kind of has some sort of like altruism. Yeah, some sort of like like so to me if I all right, so I'm a I'm a student teacher and I'm inspired about about this topic and I want to teach the same sort of thing um uh, because it's changed my life and I have a small audience that's uh asking me to teach them or uh, that that is like like hungry for this teaching because they're interested in this in whatever the lesson is in this thing and then there's a professor who's who's been teaching this topic for a very long time and it has all this expertise and and maybe even credentials around being able to 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 teach this thing right then it's like um uh what i hear in that is like what is the subject here this sounds like an important subject and that sounds like a, a some that's what i what i hear is is that sounds valuable it sounds like learning that particular subject is actually valuable to people right and so i want to know what is the value what it, like knowing about this subject what does this add to someone's life how does this affect that and cuz if my like you said the word altruism corbett if my intentions and my sort of goal in life and my focus here is somewhat aligned with that altruism of going like, listen, my life was in shambles. Then I learned about how to make my bed every day before I woke up and you know, whatever, like or whatever, like whatever it is, you teach that thing then because you're helping people get their lives out of shambles. Right. That to me seems like the goal. And for me, I might be a weird weirdo here but when i can couch it in language like that when i can wake mm-hmm. up in the morning and really get my head and my heart into that space that's when i go like okay so so i wish that i there was a youtube video that i would find on this thing and i would make a youtube video on it now and then i would promote the crap out of that on reddit and all these other things because it's like an intro to this topic that like really changed my life and i would tell my story in that video you know i start having ideas of things to do from a a little bit of a different kind of inspiration. And I think one of the keys to this whole entrepreneurship thing, at least in modern times when there's so much competition and everything, um, that you got to do it like you, right? You do. And, and, but also, you know, if you want to be really smart about it, you could do what, uh, our, our friend Vanessa did or Don Miller, uh, these people are really shrewd entrepreneurs and they recognize that there likely will be competition in their space. So instead of yeah. grumbling about it or trying to intimidate someone out of the market, they license their content, right? With StoryBrand, yeah. with, with Don's thing, StoryBrand, he, you can become a, a StoryBrand teacher and mm-hmm. get started mm-hmm. quickly, right? Or, or with Vanessa and, um, the science of people, same thing. You can study under them. And basically license their content. And then not only are you teaching that thing that you love, but you're also getting a head start because they give you all these resources and things. So that becomes a win-win. And that's that's a smart way to look at it, right? You, you recognize that the thing you're teaching is important. There's demand out there. And I could either try to uh, figure out a little a way for me to have a little piece of this and to get my philosophy out there even more, or I could just be a curmudgeon about this thing and, and get pissed at everybody who tries to, tries to join me. Right. right. I feel like I'm just realizing it now. We've been brainstorming this topic before we started recording. And now we've been also talking about it. And this is the first time I'm really realizing part of what we're talking about, I think is leadership philosophy. And I think uh-huh. about back when I learned how to be a leader, when I was managing people, um, that was something that my mentor, who was amazing, taught me about leadership. I remember thinking naively, which I think a lot of people do, that leadership is about like 
you know, how awesome you are and how you get to be on the stage and like the better leader you are, the more praised you are and the more people look up to you. But that's actually really not the goal of great leadership. The mark of a great leader is the leader's ability to actually step back and have everyone else run the show. Like that's Mm -hmm. what a leader, a great leader does. Um, And when you get into that headspace, I think, and realize that if you, the best kind of leaders and mentors out there empower other people, like that's Mm -hmm. actually the whole point of the thing. Um, You've done your job as a leader. If you're looking at yourself as like, you always have to be the the big dog and everybody's always underneath you. I don't think that speaks very highly of your ability to truly transfer knowledge and empower other people. So, I mean, I I remember when that light bulb went off for me, I was like, oh yeah, my perspective has changed in terms of like what I'm here to do, which is why now if if I see any of my students and clients being successful, that feels like a positive reflection on me, whether or not I get credit. Like I know that at the end of the day um, and I don't see that as an infringing upon me. So I guess it comes down to your mentality about it. But if you can shift your point of view about what true leadership is, that's been really helpful for me. Right, which is really like, to me, I mean, I, I came from a very like sort of, you know, Christian, evangelical, spiritual background. And and to me, this was just the stuff you had to learn. Like, it was just your philosophy of life, mm-hmm. right? It was, it was like your sense of identity that like you serve and help other people. Like that that's that's something that's important. Um, and it wasn't always <laughs> highlighted as much as it should be that like, and you take care of yourself. All right. <laughs> Mommy mm-hmm. needs her bubble bath. Um, like God said so, but the point, the point there being like this, whether we call it leadership or philosophy or spirituality, what we're talking about is how you move through the world Yeah, and how you move through the world. When you're doing your own business, you start getting into situations you've never been in before. You haven't just been behind someone in the grocery store and all of a sudden had this conundrum of like, they're copying my thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? And now it's keeping me from my fortune. Right? Right. And then and, like, it's not, it's it like, cause that's what, you know, that's what the teacher here, it, 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 that's what's so easy to feel is it's this fear of like, if someone is out there in my same niche, that's less for me. Yeah. That means I will get less. That means it might not work for me. That means like, screw off. I want this for myself. There's not enough for both of us, right? And this is like, this is like spiritually speaking or philosophically speaking. This is just a a thing psychologically that's been lodged in our, like it's our old ancient like lizard Mm -hmm. brain type thing, right? It's like there's one, you know, there's one like fucking herb on the ground or cherry or something like that. And there's two of us lizards looking at it, right? (laughs) It's just this ancient... Old as old as bones kind of thing, and I think my hope is that our species is slowly evolving out of this, and <laughs> we'll find our way through it. And the way we do it is by being intelligent around conversations like this. You do your livelihood is on the line, and the question is, if you come at this with a more uh, expansive, abundant, sort of gracious perspective. Um, charitable perspective or not, not charitable, not charitable, just generous about yourself and about other people. Are you actually more likely to be successful instead of less likely, right? That to me is the game I have to play with myself. Even if it's not true, I decide to, cause I just want to be the kind of person that does feel that generosity more often because I come up with better ideas of 
stuff to do. I get to be more myself on the the videos that I'm inevitably making because that's the kind of thing that I make, right? Right, right? I can't hide behind content. Right. I can't hide behind text and stuff like that, right? It's interesting to me that you use the word generosity, though, because that in itself, I think, suggests something interesting. If you're generous, that means that you have something that you're just giving away. Okay. It almost suggests ownership, right? right? And that in itself feels almost tricky, where right, if you right, are coming yeah. at it thinking like, I own this, and if I'm nice enough, I'll let you in. I think you have to back off even further than that and say, like, actually... I don't own any of this. Like no right. jazz musician owns any of these like little yeah, frames. Here's what the jazz would say. Like nobody owns the groove. Exactly. The groove exactly. belongs to all of us. Right? right. Because what, what the emotional response to music is a thing that happens sort of like psycho spiritually, emotionally in all of us. That's the God that we're serving when we're playing jazz. Right. Is the feeling that the music gives. And the same thing with this topic. I, I hear you. I think you're, you're bang on like the, the language of, of um graciousness or whatever is is not is not as as i was meaning more of what you're talking about where Mm -hmm. it's like and i think that's a really helpful tag like it it is it's not something that belongs to any of us like like just think about that one of my favorite quotes like be kind for everyone you meet is in the fight of their lives right? right i just resonate with that on such a hardcore level that like when I remember that and, and think about that as I'm, as I'm like coming up to the counter to purchase like my six pack of beer from the guy who's working back behind this crappy little corner store every single day watching some daytime, you know, television like back there. And, and, and he plays on his guitar occasionally. You can hear it down the street and you just think about this guy's life and you're just like, everybody's in the fight of their life. Right. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean like here, like I'll give you, like that's where we go wrong. I think a lot of times with, with people who have less than us and we feel this guilt that we have, we have more. Right. Right. And so it's, it's this sense of something like that. Anyways, what Corbett? (laughs) Well, to, to take this down from our, our lofty talking about the God we serve and and everything else, just to get, just to get practical for a minute to, to put ourselves back in this scenario. Okay. So from the, from the commentary in the forum, the scenario was, you know, I, I took some courses from this person online. They went on on their own, and now I want to do the same thing. And they confronted me about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. My question is practically, just from a practical standpoint. Okay. This the the student in this scenario. She she needs to move on with her life, right? She mm-hmm. she clearly wants to teach this thing, and she's not going to back down. So what should she do? And is there a chance that she's overreacting or misreading this situation? I know from the forums later that she mentioned that she has not talked to this person directly about this. So this confrontation, in quotes, has happened, I presume, over email or text message or something like that, right? And we Mm. don't know how specific it was, how dramatic it was. I think there's also, just like there's a a natural human tendency to um, to maybe feel like you have ownership over someone when you mentored them, or to um, worry about competition, I think there's also a natural human tendency, unfortunately, online, whether it's text or social media or email or whatever, to overreact to things or to misread things and to feel like someone might be attacking you when they're not. And Mm. so you know, an innocent question from this person could have turned into this feeling like, oh my God, they hate me and mm-hmm. they, you know, they want me to, to cease and desist from this thing. So I don't know, where, where would you go with that stuff? And, and have you ever like misread a situation or, or been part of that? 
Well, I'm glad you brought this up because I was just thinking to myself, we spent a lot of time so far talking about being on the teacher side of this. And I'd love for us to talk about being on the student side yeah, of it. Right. Um, because part of what comes to mind for me is we've talked about like how all of us can react to the possibility of, of being copied or mentoring other people. But it's equally, if not more important, I think, to think through how do we move through the world as the kind it comes back to like treat other people the way you want to be treated. So, you know, all of us are simultaneously like trying to lead and also following. We're learning from people and we're teaching. So you have to also think about like, how would I want this to be for me if roles were reversed? So I try to think about this a lot. And in the question, it was mentioned like, Fizzle and Steph Crowder, how did this whole thing work? We talked a little bit about this before we started recording. And one of you guys brought up the term above board. And I was happy that you said that because that was one of my values. You know, I didn't, first of all, I didn't know where any of this was leading. So take that out of the equation. But all I did know was that I always wanted to be forthright and honest about where the journey was taking me. And that was the more difficult thing to do, to be honest, because having these conversations can be scary. Someone might get mad at you. Like, I didn't know how you guys were going to react, but I made myself do it because I knew that if the roles were reversed, I would want that honesty and I would want to feel like someone wasn't being shady. I would want to talk about it. So I think it's really important to, to consider that on the big scale for things like this, but even on the small scale, like, I think all the time about Instagram. You think, and this is a tiny example, but you see how often people are borrowing, let's use the term, borrowing each other's photos. And sometimes people credit each other's images and sometimes they don't. And I actually notice that when people don't give credit, I'm like, well, that that person didn't take that picture. Like right. that's the worst. Right. So every time you post a picture, every time you have a message, every time you're doing anything, I think it's important to ask like, is there someone that I can credit here? Is there someone that I can kind of like give those kudos to? How would I want to be treated in this situation? Would I want somebody literally copy and pasting my sales page? Well, then I shouldn't do that and living from, from that space. So um, in this example of someone who's gotten this email that of course your initial reaction is like, oh, walls up, I'm being attacked. Um, the more difficult thing to do would be to respond in a way that's like, hey, you've taught me a lot. Let's talk about let's talk about this because the cool thing is there could be some kind of collaboration between these two people that truly benefits both of them. Um, they just don't know it yet. So I guess in summary, what I'm saying is yes, I've definitely been in this situation on a micro level. I feel like I'm in this situation every day, trying not to trying to stay on good terms with people and do the right thing. And I think it comes down to being above board, having difficult conversations, being honest and treating other people the way that you'd want to be treated if the roles were reversed. Yeah, I think that can be said better. That idea of being above board, having difficult conversations, and yeah. being honest. And I think being above board really is about, like, you know, not being deceitful and being yeah. honest, right? And then being honest and being willing to have difficult conversations. This, to me, is like, this is the, the, the twofold path of being a badass in the world, is <laughs> you're being honest, which, yeah. which, which is to say, you know what you want. Yep. Right. That's actually the first the first part there. You're like, I want to teach this. And you're and you're honoring that desire. Right. You're like, I want to teach this. I'm I, I think I can do this. I want to try it. Right. That's the first mm -hmm. part. And then having difficult conversations, which is basically if the first one is about being, you know, an individual, the second one's about being a part of a community and it's both and. Right. And so that that I think is is one of the things that like is 
as someone, like I said in the beginning, like if I haven't been accused of stealing stuff or stepping on someone's toes, I probably should have been right at some point. I can't think of any specific examples, but it's like I was always paying attention to what was going on around me. And I was always just grabbing things that worked that I felt like worked on me and learning from those. And, and the way that that could get used subconsciously or even intentionally, I, I, like I said, I don't have any memories of this. Chase, stuff. Do, you, do you have something to confess about your seventh grade term paper? I do actually. <laughs> Mrs. Smith was a total. Rod! No, never mind. But like, for instance, Robin Williams was, was accused of this quite a bit. It, like later on in his life is of um, not later on in his life, but at, at some point in his standup career, for for like literally stealing other people's stuff, which in the comedy world, this is like the way that the comedians talk about this. Like it's like committing seppuku. Like it's like it's like it's like killing yourself, but not honorably. It, it's it's like it's the worst thing you could do to steal from someone, mm-hmm. and yet it happens all the time. And comedians are always accusing each other of it, right? Um, because it's like this, it's the last form of honor <laughs> that these road warriors sort of have is like, that was my bit. <laughs> that's my, you know, concept, like the whole idea, like that's what I made. And so there is a lot of that ferocity and that lizard brain sort of like mine, get off, like get away. Um, don't steal. And Robin Williams, when he talked about it, he was like, man, when you're just at a club and you see stuff like things just get in. And especially when you're like Robin Williams was where it was just free flow craziness, you know, <laughs> freebasing the, the mystery of the, of the multidimensional universe or whatever he was doing that like, it just, whatever comes out, that comes out just in that moment, yeah. you know? Well, and for but, him, it was, it was, it was very much, um, impressions and imitation. And you can imagine right. you slip into just imitating somebody you saw without recognizing. Oh, it, totally, know? totally. Right. So, so what I'm getting at though, is just back to this, this sense of, of, being able to, to like being honest, commit yourself to being honest and being willing to have difficult conversation. And I think mm-hmm. maybe there's that third piece of just going like, at, like at everything that you're doing for a while as you're getting started, like who can I credit here? Yeah. That is such an interesting question and it's such an interesting way of thinking about doing things online because it is, it is exactly the opposite about how most of us think about it. Steph, I'm so encouraged to hear you talk about how you noticed that Fizzle was partnering with Pat Flynn and John Lee Moss and and others and that that felt like something. Because for us, that just felt really natural. Like, oh, that's amazing. Like, our friends want to work with us. Let's work with our friends. Made Um, a huge impression on me. Like a last one that's lasted. Well, and you know, the the funny thing is like, I, I I don't have like evidence or... Have, I, I'm not aware of any study that shows that if you partner, you're more likely to succeed than if you, you know, cordon yourself off and, and create your own little fiefdom. I don't, I don't know what that looks like, but I got to say, it's a lot more fun to partner with people mm-hmm. and to look at your quote unquote competitors as friends. And I, I would just rather live that way. Right. Yep. It's just, it's just a lot, a lot easier and, and a lot more fun from the, from back to the perspective of, of the, um, the, the little thing that we started with here, the the one thing that I, I think we need to get out on the table is you've got to get on the phone with this person. You've got yes. to have yes. that conversation, even if it feels difficult, even if you're worried yeah. that it's going to be confrontational. You've got to get on the phone because relationships can go 
you know, different ways, depending on how you each read each other and, and how you're communicating. And you could choose to dig your heels in here and feel like this person is reacting to you in, in a way that they're not. And you could influence the way that this goes, even though that's not the way that it has to go. And so, um, getting on the phone, I think will, will either get everything out in the open and you'll realize that it was just a misunderstanding and that there's a way for you to partner together and, and you can move forward and feel good about it. Or maybe it turns out that, yeah, this person is just going to be a jerk about it and they don't want to partner with you, but at least you have made your position clear. You've looked this person in the eye, you've told them why you're doing this. And now, you know, and now you can say, Mm -hmm. well, I'm going to move forward despite you know, despite how they feel about it, because I still believe in this thing and I gave it my, I gave it my all. I really gave it a shot to, 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 to be friendly, you know, and to, to mm. work this thing out or to talk about how it could be mutually beneficial. Right. And it, and I feel like that honors this relationship. If the relationship is worth honoring, right? That's, it's like, like honor every relationship that's worth honoring. And I look at this and I go, okay, I can, I don't know, obviously don't know these stories, but if like, this is a professor that has mattered to you, that has meant something to you. If this is someone who has helped you and given you a leg up, if this is someone who has inspired you and, and, and someone you want to be able to have at a dinner party, you know, several years from now when your book gets released or something like that, right? Like then how do you honor that relationship and realize that like there is more of a, a like, uh, if there, see if it's possible to do more of a, of a sort of independent collaborative spirit instead of a fiercely sort of uh, oppositional sort of spirit. Like if you're winning, that means I'm losing. This is what we call a zero sum game, right? Isn't that what it's called Corbett? If you're winning, I'm losing. And I think one of the challenges in life is, is to learn that you do get to have your cake and eat it too. You just have to make that something you want. Right. You have to go like, I want this relationship and I want to teach this. Right. Mm -hmm. So what, so what's it going to take to do that? And if you, if that person is not willing to do that, well, then you have to choose. Do you want that relationship or do you want the thing? Maybe at some point you will have to, but maybe right now it's not a, it's not a either or it's an and kind of situation. I think that that is, that is a very challenging thing for a lot of us to do. And the reason why we hear it and we feel like, Oh shoot, I wasn't even thinking like that is because I think it's, it's a kind of a, it's a kind of a, like, like a weirdo woo spiritual kind of thing to think like that, right? To just think like, I want this and it should happen. And and if it's the right thing, it's going to look like this. My relationships are going to be intact. I'm going to feel more connected and more like, more like capable of uh, uh, in in things in my life like i'm going to feel connected to nature whatever it is that you think you're going to you're going to feel that you want to feel and i think looking at a relationship like this and feeling like it's either this relationship or i get to do mm-hmm. what i want is is it can be really toxic and something we get stuck in and so to identify it and to be able to go all right let's behave uh, let's like theorize or hypothetically speaking that's not how it has to be how would I wish for this to go? Well, I wish that I would say I was going to do this and then that person would reach out and go like, that's so amazing. Right. You're amazing. No, it's like, okay, that hasn't happened yet. And in fact, the opposite of that has happened, but it's just a little messier. It's still going to be a great omelet. We yeah. just, we just spilled a little bit of the eggs on the countertop. You know what I mean? Well, just sw- it- swoosh that off into the bowl. It's fine. Yeah. Let's keep going. That's a good point too, in that, you know, just because this particular teacher in this case 
may not have necessarily understood and supported like off the bat, just based on inference alone, doesn't mean that there's not opportunity for him to be wildly supportive once he gets it. He might just be sitting there on his end saying, literally, what are you doing over there? Are you outright copying me? Like maybe he doesn't have a problem with with this person teaching as well. He just doesn't know what he doesn't know and he's starting to freak out. So to Corbett's point, if a conversation is had, maybe he'll he'll happily get on board. Like, oh, you're planning to teach it your way? Great. Just don't steal the words out of my book. <laughs> you know, something like that. Right. So I think that's a re- what you just said, Chase, is really important is that you can't, just because somebody doesn't get it off the bat or just because somebody doesn't support you off the bat doesn't mean that opportunity is not there. It's just that they didn't understand based on their own inference of what you were doing. So having that conversation, yeah. getting it out on the table, getting to the same place is still 100% possible in this case, I think. Right, right. And and then, and it might mean like, you know, taking a little inventory of like, okay, so what matters to you? Because to me, uh, I feel like there's, there's going to be enough space for both of us to be successful in this mm-hmm. space. Let's just like, okay, so, so what would really matter to you? Well, I don't want you like, I don't want it to feel like you're stealing my ideas. Okay. Yep. Awesome. I thought that would be something you'd say. Here's one of the, here's like how I think I won't be doing that. Right. For instance, you say this, you talk about this and this order and this, I'm just talking to people like this and they just need to hear this, that or the other. So I'm not nearly going as deep as you in X, Y, and Z, right. Being able to find that kind of, common ground again or that kind of like mutual respect again can just and it can fill your sails full of air right versus feeling like you're all alone in the world adrift like water world style trying to steal whatever resource someone else has you know Mm -hmm. well guys well for people who want to know more we did an episode called uh episode 202 of the fizzle shows you can go fizzleshow.co slash 202 should you partner with competitors or fight them tooth and nail? Mm. And I don't remember if it's good or not because it was it's a podcast. Terrible. When I when I do podcasts, it's like I'm 100% in on this while it's happening. And once it's gone, I literally don't remember what happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like ayahuasca ceremonies and podcasts. Those are the same thing for me. Like what actually happened there? But uh, there's more there. There's also... Um, there's also, let me read a few of these other art, like articles and podcasts that are out there that might be helpful for you. The Art of Low Competition Business Ideas. Mm-hmm. That's episode 129. Um, let, let's see, the, there was one that, The Difference, Copying Your Mentors Versus Becoming Your Best Self. Mm. That looks like an interesting one out there. Uh, let's see, anything else? I think that's, uh, <laughs> how about this? Gary Vaynerchuk's three most powerful strategies for getting more dot, dot, dot. <laughs> it, the rest of it doesn't show up in the, in the actual headline on Google. So, you know, we'll put those in the show notes, including Gary Vaynerchuk's three most powerful strategies for getting more. <laughs> and, uh, and that's where I think we'll leave it. Anything else to say, Corbett, in, in closing here? You know, um, I, this is you you mentioned a few episodes because this is an important topic and it it's worth thinking about and whether you're you're on the teacher side of this or the student side of this it can all be worked out and a lot of it is yeah. just mindset and uh, the way you approach it so there's plenty of plenty of room out there for all of us to to do our thing and uh, it's all gonna be okay love it mm-hmm. I love it Steph anything in closing? Nope, I think uh, Papa Corbett just nailed it over there. I'm going to leave it at that. All right, love it. Okay, guys, to get more about this episode, this is episode 282. 
of this Fizzle Show podcast. So you go to fizzleshow.co slash 282 to get more from this, uh, more on this, more links, more, uh, all the links, we, things we mentioned. But I don't know if you guys saw the last episode, there was like a hundred links in, in there. We, we've hired a company to do the show notes for us and help us just They're collect thorough. every link. Mm. And they're hecka thorough. So, uh, so who knows what the, what the, will be in this one. I love it. Thank you to our show notes people. We edit podcasts. That's not a paid thing. That's just who we're using right now. Uh, then thank you to Steph and Corbett for being here. And thank you for you, listener, for being the kind of person who's working to build something you actually care about in your life. And listening to a topic like this where it's a very challenging, uh, you have to be courageous to, to live in the world in this kind of way. And I think there's a result, there's a, there's a bounty, there's a, um, there's a benefit to living with this kind of courage. Uh, and I hope that you, you either believe that already or will come to see that. Because when you're doing business and you're keeping yourself above board by being honest and being capable of having difficult conversations and being able to look at what you're making and go, like, who can I give some like, like credit to for this, Right. Um, that is, those are very interesting. That's a very interesting three pronged approach to really, to really making your entrepreneur journey like a more inclusive, a more open, a more uh, expansive, a more invigorating and enlightening kind of experience. So, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. Thanks, y'all. We'll talk to you next week on the Fizzle Show.